0: you return that I
1: might live in my father You turn your back upon God, and you can be sure you're heading for disaster and trouble. The second thing that he emphasized here was whenever they had repented, that's what we need to do. You know, if for some reason we turn our backs from God, here's our recourse is to repent. Repent before God, cry out unto him. So whenever they had repented and cried out to God, he had delivered them out of their difficulties.
0: Our God listens to broken and contrite hearts. Pride is one of the major barriers that stands between us and him it'll lead you to think you can earn your way to Him through your own power and merit, and to assume that when you fail, God would never accept you. As Pastor Mike continues our study of 1 Samuel in today's message, he'll stress just how important it is to have repentant hearts. When you approach God, acknowledging how much you need Him to save you, He'll eagerly welcome you in and redeem you. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 12 as he continues his message, Living in the Awe of the Lord.
1: How was Samuel able to preserve his integrity through the various changes and stages of life? And as we've been going through this book of the Bible in 1 Samuel, uh, there were certain times when Samuel ran up against uh, circumstances that were extremely disappointing. Uh, there was also a time when he was rejected by other uh, people. So what's the answer to that uh, question? Listen only because he was inwardly secure. And that's a part of a uh, process, isn't it? Uh, it began for Samuel as a child. Remember going back to the first couple of chapters here in First uh, Samuel. Remember his dad, Elkanah, and his mother, Hannah, had laid a solid, godly foundation by giving their son a strong inner sense of his uniqueness as a person. Is value to them as their son, and his mission in life. Listen, these are the very same things that we need to convey and instill within our own uh, children. Again, giving them a strong inner sense of uniqueness as a person. Taking the time out to do that. Their value, uh, explaining their value to them, how that God has called them, how that God has chosen them that there's a higher calling uh, in their uh, lives. Speak to them about their mission. It's not all about, you know, uh, having an easy life. And I'm not suggesting that we shouldn't work towards uh, making our lives uh, better, being educated, getting a good job, uh, making a decent salary to provide for our own uh, family members. But nevertheless, there's something that's even more important than that, and that is the mission that God has given each and every Uh, one of us, that is to be his witness, his testimony in the world in which we uh, live. And then later on, as Samuel had grown in his awareness of the Lord and his purpose for him, that is, remember, the judge over Israel, this feeling of security in his Godward relationship of significance in the plan of God and of satisfaction in the service of God had been reinforced. And I believe that there comes a time in each and every one of our lives where God brings us to that place where we, we have a, a better understanding of our calling. Listen, every one of us has a spe- very specific uh, calling, a work for each and every one of us uh, to do. And, and, and as God reveals that to us, you know, we have that, that inner uh, confidence. It's reinforced. But listen, it's all about our relationship with God knowing that we have that higher calling. And so the answer to that question, how did Samuel preserve, uh, persevere through all of the uh, difficulties in his life experience, all of his disappointments, all of his rejections? It was all about his relationship and his walk with the Lord. Now, in bearing witness to Samuel's faithfulness and honesty, Israel unwittingly, Condemned themselves. Notice, go back to verse 5, the first part of verse 5. The people had no reason to be dissatisfied with Samuel's leadership, right? I mean, he always did them right. He never took advantage of the position that God had given him, as I had already uh, mentioned. And they should have just been uh, satisfied with Samuel being judge over Israel, God's physical uh, representative. There was no reason for them to ask for a king. So the truth was, the people had grown tired of the restraints of Samuel's godly piety and wanted a more glamorous kind of a leader. Well, anyway, Samuel goes on to fearlessly warn them. Now let's pick up verses 6 through 15, here in chapter 12, verse 6. Then Samuel continues to address the the group said to the people, It is the Lord who raised up Moses and Aaron and who brought your fathers up from the land of Egypt. So now he's going to give them a, uh, a little bit of a history uh, lesson. Now therefore stand still, that I may reason with you before the Lord concerning all the righteous acts of the Lord, which he did to you and your fathers. When Jacob had gone into Egypt and your fathers cried out to the Lord, Then the Lord sent Moses and Aaron, who brought your fathers out of Egypt and made them dwell in this place, in the land of Canaan. And when they forgot the Lord, their God, he sold them into the hand of Sisera, commander of the army of Hazor. And remember, he was the uh, leader, he was the commander of the Canaanite uh, army. Into the hand of the Philistines, all of their enemies, he mentions all of them. And into the hand of the king of Moab, and they fought against them. Then they cried out to the Lord and said, We have sinned because we have forsaken the Lord. So the idea here is that God raised up these foreign uh, nations as Israel's enemies to chastise them, to discipline them. That's the idea. Why? Because notice there in verse 10, they had served the Baals and the Ashtaroths. In other words, the gods and the goddesses of the land of Uh, Canaan, but now deliver us from the hand of our enemies and we will serve you. That was the cry of the the people. And then the Lord, responding to the cries of the people, he sent Jerubbabel, Badan, Jephthah, and Samuel, all of these judges that are mentioned here, and delivered you out of the hand of your enemies on every side, and you dwell in safety. And when you saw that Nabash king of the Ammonites, remember we were introduced to him in chapter 11, so one of the most uh, recent uh, enemies and foes that Israel had to uh, face, chapter 11, came against you uh, and said to me, no, but a king shall reign over us when the Lord your God was your king. Now therefore, here is the king whom you have chosen, uh, Saul, and whom you have desired, and take note, the Lord has set a king over you. Now, if you fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and do not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then both you and the king who reigns over you will continue following the Lord your God. However, here's the warning. If you do not obey the voice of the Lord but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you as it was against your uh, fathers. Okay, and so here, notice Samuel impresses upon the importance of an accurate understanding of their history. That's why he's broadcasting their history before them. How that God was so involved in their past. Why? What was the purpose? Well, Samuel was hoping that they would get it and they would understand that not only was God involved in their past, but he also wanted to be involved in their present as well as their future. Now notice here, Samuel stressed two important facts. And by the way, these are universal truths. Not only do they apply to the nation of Israel, but they also apply to you and to me today. What were those two facts? Well, first of all, whenever... They had forsaken the Lord. They had been brought into trouble. And listen, folks, you turn your back upon God and you can be sure you're heading for disaster and trouble. The second thing that he emphasized here was whenever they had repented, that's what we need to do. You know, if for some reason we turn our backs from God, here's our recourse just to repent. Repent before God. Cry out unto Him. So whenever they had repented and cried out to God, he had delivered them out of their difficulties. So those were those two universal principles that Samuel is seeking to impress upon the people. You see, the Lord had consistently disciplined his people for their spiritual apostasy. And listen, let me tell you something. If God did that for his people Israel, what would you, why would you think that he wouldn't do that Uh, to you as uh, well. They were oppressed because of their uh, sin. And listen, gang, sin yielding to our flesh will oppress you. It'll oppress you physically. It'll uh, oppress you mentally. It'll oppress you, probably even more importantly, spiritually. Why? Because sin is a hard taskmaster. It'll cause you to do things that you don't want to do. You'll do things that you never thought that you would uh, do. You see, there is this awful progression about sin. And you'll plunge. If you give yourself over to sin, you're going to continue in sin. You're going to plunge deeper into sin. Why? Because your flesh is never satisfied. Your flesh is never fulfilled. You'll always be looking to take sin to the next higher level. It'll destroy you. It'll have that effect upon your life. But again, as I've already mentioned, there's hope. What is that hope? Repentance before God. Because repentance brings deliverance. And remember, Samuel was reminding the people about this very thing. Repentance brought deliverance for Israel. Now, Samuel thought the lesson of their recent experience needed to be reinforced. And so, let's pick up now in our uh, chapter here, in verses 16 through 25, the remainder of this uh, chapter. Let's read it, verse 16. Now therefore, stand and see. So he's going to reinforce what he had just said by a miracle. Now therefore, stand and see this great thing which the Lord will do before your eyes. Referring to the miracle which was about to take place. Is today not the wheat harvest? I will call to the Lord, And he will send thunder and rain that you may perceive and see that your wickedness is great, which you have done in the sight of the Lord and asking a king for yourselves. So Samuel called to the Lord and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day. And all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. And all the people said to Samuel, pray for your servants to the Lord, your God, that we may not die. For we have added to all of our sins the evil of asking the king for ourselves. We can only imagine, you know, the storm that just broke out uh, very quickly and uh, the response of the people, great fear. But notice Samuel said to the people, do not be afraid, do not fear. You have done all of this wickedness, yet do not turn aside from following the Lord but serve the Lord with all of your heart and do not turn aside, for then you would go after empty things which cannot profit or deliver, for they are nothing. Notice, take take special note of that. You know, when we turn from God and we go after these vain vain things, they're not going to provide fulfillment for you. They're not satisfying. You can be sure of that. You see, it's only having a meaningful relationship with God where we find fulfillment and satisfaction. Nothing else will provide those experiences for us. Verse 22, For the Lord will not forsake His people for His great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you His people. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord and ceasing to pray for you, although another one was going to take uh, and in a sense, Samuel's place. He was going to continue to be around. He was going to continue to make himself available. He was still going to pray for the people, uh, still advise the king, uh, counsel the people. But I will teach you the good and the right way. Only fear or reverence the Lord. Live in that awe of the Lord, that experience. Fear the Lord. Serve him in truth with all of your heart for consider what great things he has done for you. But if you still do wickedly, you shall be swept away, both you and your king. Okay, so, he goes through this whole thing here. Let me, first of all, describe uh, for you what had just happened. It was now the time of the harvest. Notice, uh, the writer Uh, makes reference to this, that would have been the middle of May to the end of June, when rain is almost unknown in that area of the world. And so to convince the people of their sin in seeking to set aside the Lord as their rightful sovereign and to show them that his judgments are always ready to fall on the ungodly, he called upon the Lord. And all of a sudden, a heavy storm broke upon the assembly. It was so evident that this was the result of Samuel's prayer, that something supernatural was taking place. It confirmed Samuel's words, and thus the people were filled with fear. Their consciences were pricked. They realized they were wrong in seeking a king to rule over them. And notice they asked Samuel to intercede for them there in verse 19, that God's judgment would not come upon them. And so, he accepted their request, and he admonishes them to remain true to the Lord and to uh, Saul. But notice again, he reminds them, he would continue to pray and intercede on their behalf. Okay, so, what do we learn here? What do we take away from this uh, chapter? I mean, how important it is for us to maintain an attitude of reverence before the Lord. Why is that? Because the benefits are many. First of all, let me go through the the list that I've put together. First of all, as we obey Him, we continue to enjoy God's blessing. You see, there's a connection between the two. As we walk with the Lord in complete obedience, God will honor that and He will bless us. You know, in the introductory psalm, in Psalm 1, if you quickly turn there with me, in Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3, and this, by the way, is known as the introductory psalm to the book of Psalms, one of my favorite of all of the psalms. In Psalm 1, in verses 1 through 3, there we are told, blessed is the man, or a more literal translation, oh, how happy, in other words, you'll be happy, who walk in the counsel, who do not walk in the counsel, "...of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his or her delight is in the law of the Lord." That is the commandments of God. "...and in his law he meditates day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither." and whatever he does shall prosper. But the ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. In other words, there's no stability within the life of a non-believer. So once again, let me say it, as we obey him, we continue to enjoy God's blessing. Remember, he will not tolerate a rival. So to reverence anyone or anything else, is a sauce of entrapment. The second thing that I want to draw your attention to, the second lesson that we should take away from this chapter, is this. As we serve him with that awe, we are preserved from doing evil. Like for example, as a cross reference, in the book of Exodus, in chapter 20, and Moses said to the people, do not fear, for God has come to test you, and that his fear may be before you so that you may not sin. In other words, we acknowledge and recognize the fact that God is ready to judge if we turn his back, our backs upon uh, him, right? And then as another cross-reference, in the 119th Psalm, in verses 9 and 11, the psalmist raises this question. How can a young man or a woman cleanse their way? How? By taking heed according to God's word, Verse 11, your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Oh God, help us to hide God's word within our hearts. But then there's another thing that I want to draw your attention to. And that is, it also, that is as we walk in this relationship of awe with God, it also keeps us from relying on the flesh for our success. It helps us not to turn to substitutes to make up for feelings of insufficiency. Go back to our text. Notice there in verse 21, uh, there in chapter uh, 12, what what do we have recorded there for us? Notice Samuel reminds them, do not turn aside uh, for them, you will go after empty things, which cannot profit or deliver, for they are nothing." So when we acknowledge and recognize that God is with us, that God's hand is upon our lives, that every good gift comes down from heaven, from our heavenly uh, Father, it keeps us from relying on the flesh for our success. It helps us not to turn to substitutes to make up for feelings of insufficiency. And then lastly, another reason, godly fear, walking in this kind of an attitude before God, also prepares us to receive the truth as it is revealed uh, to us. In other words, it helps us to become sensitive to spiritual realities. We understand that. We hear God's voice very clearly to us. You know, for example, as we open up the, the word, I hope and I trust that God is speaking to you. In your own personal devotional time, week in and week out. You know, just walking in that kind of an attitude towards the Lord as we walk ever so closely with the Lord. You know, it it just makes us more sensitive to spiritual realities. Listen, gang, we can face whatever our life's experience will throw our way, all of the sufferings, all of the troubles, all of the misfortunes, without losing our confidence. Why is that? Because simply, we know that God is by our side.
0: In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be. Oh, my the Book of First Samuel details how the nation of Israel transitioned from the era of having judges. To a time period where they demanded to have a king rule over them. The pages that then followed include the rise and fall of King Saul, as well as introducing a person in the Bible that becomes one of the greatest men of faith, David. 1 Samuel's book of action and adventure, but also a reminder of God's swift consequences or judgment when people fall away from him. So often you might wonder how a passage relates to you today. But there's always something to apply from God's Word, and this book is no exception. Take the life lessons in this book and keep them in mind as you're faced with decisions to make and directions to go. If you'd like to explore more messages from Pastor Mike, visit HarvestNYC.org or find the podcast on your favorite podcast app. Be sure to subscribe. That way you'll be notified every time we post a new edition of the show. If you're in Midtown Manhattan, we'd love for you to come visit us. You can join us for worship this Sunday at Harvest Christian Fellowship. There's easy access from Port Authority on 42nd and Penn Station on 34th. Find out more on our website, harvestnyc.org. Make plans to join us on Thursdays, too. We're meeting virtually to jump back into the Word midweek and worship the Lord. That starts at 7.30 p.m. online at HarvestNYC.org. That's all we have time for today. Join us again for more from 1 Samuel right here on In My Father's House. Where I love to be, oh my heart, not be troubled.